Good evening, and welcome back to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's going on, Rob? Oh, nothing. I mean, <laughs> hanging in there. Second yeah. week in a row. We're talking about a loss, and I guess I uh, don't don't want to adjust to these things or become uh, <laughs> routinized or anything. But uh, I'm dealing with it seemingly better than than large elements of our fan base. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same. I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, yes. We'll just start right there. It's really disappointing, right? I Yeah. And I, I don't know. We're old. I, I, I mean, the Montana loss in 08 is probably the hardest I've ever taken a loss from any team that I support. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never re gotten quite back to that level. Um, I will say NDSU in 17. That one was pretty tough. Um, and then this weekend was was tough, but it wasn't those things, first of all. No, but you know what's funny, though? Todd, you and I could sit here and, okay, we're, we're big fans. We're dorks. Yeah. We have a podcast. We probably are on the in the higher percentile in terms of caring and paying attention to JMU football. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of people like us. If we wanted to, we could go back and probably name every loss from the past 10 years. Like that's how rare it is. A hundred percent. Yes. You know, that, yes. that's what's like, weird. Like you're like, Oh, what, this one hurts. And we go back and like, you mentioned Montana. I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh eight. When Landers got hurt and you know, Dudzik came in and he did a helicopter and Oh yeah. 17. That was bad too, because they had it down to the end. Like we could talk about Villanova. We, you yep. know, the, the missed kicks or Colgate or New Hampshire when the wheels came off, they almost stormed back. Like it's such a rare thing. Um, and in many ways we were spoiled and this is this is just kind of uncharted territory. Um, you know, every program goes through highs and lows. Jamie didn't really go through lows the past decade. You know, the, the lows were, no. you know, okay, the the Colgate game that's a low, or the the Liberty playoff game during during the Withers mm-hmm. tenure that's a low. But otherwise, it's like they're still going to finish first or second in the CAA. They're still going to win a couple playoff games, if not go to the championship. So. Um, yep. In many ways, like this was, this was a, an opportunity for all of us to kind of recalibrate as fans. And um, I was a little bit on the the negative side of the fan base going in when I was saying, you know, five or six wins, I would be able to consider that a success if they came the right way. You know, that's still then, right though. Yeah, but then I got caught up in it, and I was like, oh sure. wow, you know, you should look at it. Um, I still think it would be a success, but we, we got to get out of the slope. You know, five wins scattered throughout are different than starting off five and oh and then you know sputtering down the the, the, the stretch they, they are, um, they, they are. i, I t- completely agree um i think this week was very different from last week yes um and you know we'll talk about that and i think that five and two is about what we thought before the season where they would be and if i remember correctly this We'd game was when we this game was also one we were concerned about Yes. Of coming into the season. You know, the win at app surprised us all and then got everything rolling. And, you know, anyways, it doesn't, we don't need to, we're not here to apologize for poor play, but it's disappointing. And at the same time, it's not all that surprising, especially when we get to the heart of what's going on with the lineup right now. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, if they, here's the thing, Rob, if they beat Georgia Southern last week, Right, if they close that game out with the hit at the end on fourth and ten, and they win thirty-eight, thirty-seven, and steal one, and then we find out on an hour before kickoff this week that Santeo is not playing, 
is it would it in any way be surprising that we lost this game? It wouldn't be surprising. Or, or ways, would it be, and it wouldn't be nearly as hurtful in some ways, right? It would be disappointing because you'd hate to lose the perfect record on that kind of a thing, but it wouldn't be surprising, right? Absolutely would not be surprising. Yeah, I I, mm-hmm. I see your point about oh, it wouldn't be as hurtful. I think it might be even a little more hurtful because I would really start to get out of myself if they had come back. Well, that, it was funny that Bad Lee was doing the commentary. Yeah, you know, he, he was, he was standing, by the way. He was, and he was talking about the Richmond game when he got hurt on game day, you know, and Dudley was bringing up when Landers got hurt at the Montana game, right? All these yeah. things. I, I, even Matt Lewis in basketball a couple years ago, we've, we've been through these, not just in football, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. some, t- some tough things. Um, Women's hoops that happened in the tournament ab- a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah, oh yeah. Kamaya, right before the tournament. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the, these things happen. This is FBS. This is a learning experience. We're gonna, there's a lot of growing pains going on in the program and in the fan base right now. Um, I don't know where you want to start for four downs, Rob. Um, I I don't know. I just I, I honestly, even yeah. by our standards, I didn't really prepare much this time because it was just my approach was like I just got to rip the bandaid off and get some stuff off my chest about this. I don't have a lot of insight into this game. Like it it was ugly. Mm-hmm. It was kind of boring if we're going to be if we're talking about like aesthetically yeah. pleasing football and it was incredibly disappointing so mm-hmm. it's tough for me to go beyond that but like the, the big takeaway that i have is i i understand the focus is going to be on the quarterback and um you know he, he had a rough day billy mm-hmm. Atkins, you know first start for billy atkins he's a guy that i think a lot of people were very excited about him in the future i hope people continue to be excited about this one game he was put in a very difficult situation with apparently mm-hmm. Santeo getting the reps all week, maybe not Friday, but then, you know, Santeo still tried to make a go of it, warmed up with the team, then came out and Atkins mm-hmm. was a starter. Mm-hmm. Great. It, it wasn't, it wasn't the debut they're going to make movies about. I'll say that. But the guy stepped in there. He did his job. My bigger problem is I think the guy's got some skills. I think he's clearly has some upside. Um, he wouldn't be on the roster if he didn't. Mm-hmm. I was really disappointed that they couldn't scheme up ways to kind of just get him going or play to his strengths. You know, was he was too. having a tough time with the injuries, to the offensive line, people swapped around. Marshall has a tremendous defensive line, tremendous pass rush. They were after him all day. The pocket was collapsing around him. I just, it bothered me that they couldn't come up with something to like roll him out or get him out of the pocket. Or, I mean, I, yeah, to me, it, it, this, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, but it seemed to me like they forced him to do the same game plan they would have run if Santeo was in there. It didn't seem to change it up. Normally with young quarterbacks, you do simple things. You mix in some simple throws. You rely heavily on the run game. Like I get that Marshall's got a tremendous run day, but you're starting mm-hmm. a guy, a first-time starter quarterback, take your chances, try to run the ball. The, the times they did run it, they were effective. Yeah, Percy that- was great, Like, mm-hmm. but they just kept forcing these long passes and um, the receivers weren't getting separation and Atkins was throwing it up there and he was standing there and getting clobbered. I just, I, I kind of feel like he got let down by the game plan and the fact that it just, the best way I could describe the game plan and the play calling was just stubborn. Like stuff wasn't working. The guy wasn't, he and the yes. receivers were not in sync. They were not mm-hmm. connecting on these long passes. There weren't a lot of screen passes. There weren't a lot of check downs or it like, it just was a, it just was a, crappy situation to put yeah. the kid in yeah and it's really yeah yeah i don't know it's just 
It was, it was, really, it was, it was, more it was important to me in the second half yeah. than the first, right? I think game situation kind of – like I kind of understood like going to halftime up 12-9 or whatever weird score it was. Like, okay, we're about where we thought we would be, right? Um, we're going to grind out an ugly win. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there was some of that, like we're going to punt, we're not going to mess around, this kind of thing. Um, I got really fr- – I, I think you're exactly right. The second half was a disaster. Um, JMU was 0 for 17 on third downs in this game. They had four Which turnovers. just atrocious. Like, yeah. you can't win with those two stats. That said, for all the ugliness, you said the game was aesthetically displeasing. It was, because both of these teams are very good at defense. And incredibly, JMU's defense gave them a million chances to stay in this game and to try to even win it. I mean, Marshall didn't, didn't get up by more than seven until the last five minutes of the game, yeah. right? I mean, this was all on the offense. It's not like the defense was poor. They gave up the big play to the really good running back, which we can understand, and they gave up another big play where one of our young corners has some growing pains to go through. That was it, right? Marshall didn't yeah. do any like they didn't consistently move the ball. Both teams were extremely limited by having redshirt freshman quarterbacks who are very inexperienced in the game. I think it's important to I, I just I just wanted to point out, I mean, Marshall's good at defense, regardless of their record or their terrible quarterback play. That was just a fact, right? Uh, you know, do I think JMU would have been better if Centeo had been healthy? Sure. Do I think we would have scored 40 points? No, I don't. Right? Like this was still going to be a little bit of a grinding game. Um, I also, and Rob, so I got to talk about this. I, I'm not trying to make excuses for the team, but you have to talk about injuries. This was always yeah. a thing at FBS level, right? So you lose your starting quarterback. They started the game without Nick Kidwell at right tackle, which made them shift the line around. They ended the game, played most of the second half without Tyshawn Wyatt at left tackle. So now you're asking Atkins to, you know, bring you back from trailing in the second half while missing both your right and your left tackle. Um, Sam Kidd, bless his heart, he's been one of our favorite players for year, you know, how many, 17 years now? Yeah. <laughs> right? But, you know, he clearly was hurt multiple times in this game. Um, Kalen Black is just working his way back into the game. Van Horst is lost for the season. Kamara hasn't played on the D-line. Chroma hasn't played on the D-line in a couple weeks. Mateo Jackson, he's a reserve linebacker, but he was really missed this week because Jalen Walker got hurt and they had to play the true freshman, Trent Hendrick, who actually did a very good job. He did. He in did. the second half, right? So, I mean, all of that is to say – and this is where I'm coming back around to, Rob. We talked a little bit before we started. Super frustrated with our fan base. Um, you know, look, I was frustrated with Atkins in the stands. I was in the sense that I was discussing, you know, my frustration with my, like, friends that we went to the game with. But the people who are yelling down at the field, this is crazy talk. And I think our fan base has a ton of growing pains to go through too. And one thing I noticed just being in the lots before the game and then in the game this week, Rob, you know, JMU, the football program is new to FBS, but JMU, Mm -hmm. the fan base is really new to FBS too. Extremely new. And, you know, we've always had like nits to pick or a little 
disagreements here and there with some of the long-term fans that we're friends with or frenemies with at times, right? But those are hard, but the hardcore people weren't the problem. There's a lot of new folks who suddenly care about this, right? Like the ticket people squabbling over who should get tickets. I mean, this was a more than sold out game. You need to pay your money and get your ticket like everybody else. Yeah. Right. You, nothing is, you're not entitled to anything because you're yeah. like a wealthy alumni or something. I, yeah. I just, it's, it's so frustrating. And, and I think there's a lot of fans who suddenly like they didn't care about JMU because they were going to UVA season ticket games or Virginia tech games for years and years. But now the JMU or they're FBS, just watching on TV. They're in FBS and they're doing well. And I want to come to the game. And then I'm just going to scream and yell that it's the quarterback's fault. When you don't, you're not watching this roster week to week. You know, you don't know what's missing. You don't know what's missing. What's going on here. Right. You know, I wanted to be mad. Look, I was frustrated with the coaches in the second half a little bit too. I thought the, the, the two little sparks they had in the second half, to the extent you can call them that, were the one drive where Atkins pulled it and ran a few times. Yeah. And I was like, give him a chance. Like, do yes. that. Or th- they, they had one where he threw a nice little pass on the out to uh, Zach Horton. Mm-hmm. The very next play, they go deep again. It's yeah. like, why are we just give him the pass that's easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, and that's I, two I, weeks in a row. Like, it, it's tough. It like, the, the deep, deep, deep. Mm-hmm. I understand the desire to have the big strike and how that can turn the game around. Yeah. But, man, not when you're struggling to get one time for your quarterback and two separation from the like our receivers are great marshall's corners and cover guys were terrific there was not a lot of separation and they were doubling up people um Mm -hmm. it just didn't make sense when you've got a qb who isn't really comfortable in the pocket and there's a big difference between high school football and college football and look maybe hopefully atkins goes on to be great hopefully this is just like a bump in the road and he's Mm -hmm. like he was under fire, so he needs to adjust not only to the, to the speed of the game, but the speed of the game with an improvised offensive line going against the best defensive front that they will face all year. Well, that was just, the thing. Is that, that's it didn't make me, any like, sense. If he plays, keep these if he plays last week, plays. Yeah. if he plays last week against Georgia Southern, we probably don't have 38 points and 700 yards of offense, but I'll bet we have 31 points and 600 yards of offense. Yes. Like, that's just a bad defense, right? <laughs> like, there's a lot of things there. Where this week was like, I mean, Signetti said it last week. Marshall's the best defense they were going to face all year. Like, he wasn't making that up. That wasn't, he wasn't making that up. Nope. That wasn't coach speak. That was true. And yeah, yeah just, <sighs> it's so frustrating. Um, Rob, I want to point out, I don't know how we're doing this. I mean, I, mean, I, I want to move on to pointing out some positives here. Mm-hmm. And I hope that I can reset everyone a little bit here. One is, can we talk about some good play here? Trent Hendrick, who we mentioned, the true freshman, he played well at linebacker for the whole yeah. second half in the place of arguably JMU's best player this year, Jalen Walker. Torres Jones stepped up and kept, you know, kept the thing alive. Um, but Ken was out for much of the game. Ken was out for much of the game played and had to stay in when he might have got nicked up at one point. Um, we saw Robert Altman come in off, you know, on the line. Chauncey Logan is is learning. He's a work in progress out there. And what I did, I actually pulled the two deep from this week, Rob. You know, we only lose four starters on defense next year. I mean, you know, putting aside the portal here. But Jamari Edwards, Isaac Ukwu, Jordan Swan, and Sam Kidd. So you could argue, this is, you know, look, 
all important players. I, thought, I actually saw Swan played pretty well this week. Um, but that's it. That's the whole thing. We lose off the 2D. I mean, Mateo Jackson's in there, but he's not, he hasn't played much this year. And look, Jamari Edwards is backed up by Jordan Funk, who's been injured, hadn't played much this year, and Jamri Chroma. Basically, what I'm saying is tons of these guys come back. And Waku Okonje played well this week. He's a redshirt junior. He's backed up by a redshirt freshman. Carpenter, oh my gosh, he's the best player on the whole team, right? He's a redshirt sophomore. I mean, they have so much coming back. Taurus Jones, redshirt sophomore. Jalen Walker, sophomore, supported by Trent Hendrick, a freshman. Chuck Winecki and Remenick, both redshirt juniors. Um, Remenick has come over once. We hope he won't go again, right? Brent Austin, freshman at corner. Chauncey Logan and Xavier Coakley, both freshman and redshirt sophomore. Josh Surratt, Q. Reed, both redshirt juniors at free safety. Francis Meehan, redshirt junior at strong safety. And that's before we even have like roster transition and everything else. So like they're going to be good next year. They're young right now. They have some learning to do. On offense, we've talked about this how many times. They're starting four redshirt sophomores and a redshirt junior on the O-line and all the backups. There are no seniors anywhere on the two deep. There's no juniors other than Nick Kidwell on the whole two deep on the O-line, right? We know the two quarterbacks, a redshirt freshman and a fresh and a true freshman. In the we lose Percy, but Latrell Palmer, Kalon Black, Solomon Van Horse, all could be back next year, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, wide receiver is the one place they're going to really and, have some, some work to do. And that is no, uh, while we still have Reggie Brown and Zach Horton coming back, right? So, and it's also and, weird to say, like, you don't want to say injuries are ever a blessing, but Van Horse mm-hmm. and Black are going to have far fewer miles on them than typical. Yes, running backs with their with their even Latrell age. with Percy coming back this year. You know, yeah, oh, you're right. I mean, that's that's what I I, I just and, and then look at our specialist, right? Cam Wise made a couple of good field goals this week. Good job, Cam. Um, not his fault that the line screwed up the block extra point. Um, mm-hmm. Connor Madden, redshirt junior, Kalen Black, Josh Surratt, Scalman Van Horst, like all the contributors in this on specials you know, are all not seniors. I just, this is a young team in its first year in FBS. They are really banged up this week. It's a perfect time for a buy. I'm not minimizing. They went 0 for 17 on third down. Like I can't, you know. You can't can't rationalize that away. You can't rationalize that to say like, oh, that was good. No, it wasn't good. They were terrible. That said, there's there's a lot to be excited about. And they have a bye right now. They have four games left. All of them seem winnable. Arguably the hardest one is the one out of the bye, which is fine. I mean, that's probably a good thing. They, it sounded today from Signetti like both Wyatt, Kidwell, Centeo, like that crew is probably going to – they're very hopeful. They're optimistic for that group coming back. Uh, you know, so they're going to be – they could be rel- as relatively healthy as they have been in a few weeks uh, when they come back from the bye. You know, and, and I don't, there's nothing to say they can't beat Old Dominion or Georgia State. You know, no, I'm not saying those teams aren't, are, you know, that they couldn't lose, but I just, I don't think the season's over. And I also think I have to learn this is the way it's going to be. You know, we're not going to be spent, like you said, it's not going to be a run through the CAA and a deep playoff run every year. You're not going to be truly special every year. Like once every four or five classes, you hope maybe you get a chance to be truly special. And me just going through the two deep there, 
makes me think next year is as good a chance as any, you know? And, um, well, look at App State. I mean, App State was for some unknown reason, which didn't really make sense then Mm -hmm. and definitely doesn't make sense now, was the darling of college football when they were sitting at what 500 or or yeah, two and one, two and one, barely win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're having a bit of a, of a recalibration year. I don't want to say it's like rebuild. It's not. They're still upstate. It's still a very good program. And, and But like good programs have years where it's like, hey, you know what? You're not going to win the win the title every year. You're not going to end up in the championship game or be playing for the Sun Belt East uh, well into November. That's not realistic. You know, uh, there, there are a couple of programs, even Alabama, you mm-hmm. know, it looks like the shine is off them a little bit. They're still very good, but what are they sitting out now? Like six? Yeah. Well, and look, Jamie's three and two in the Sun Belt. Like if yeah. you told me that before the season, I would take that a hundred times out of a hundred. Am I nervous that it's going to be a struggle to get to seven now? Sure. Do I, here's what, I guess I'll say this. I, I think they have a better chance of winning three of the last four than I do of losing all four. Like, I don't think the season's over for them. I, you know, what's the most likely? Over. No, is it two, I, I is think... two and two maybe the best probably the the most likely sure would that be a good with seven and four in your first year in fbs and i don't know what that would be like four and something i don't know i don't even you know like would that be a good season yes it would be a great season right yeah i think this we all need to recalibrate and Mm -hmm. we go back to the original preseason the way you and i were looking Mm -hmm. at it I mean, sadly, I think we actually knew what we were talking about in that sense. Yeah, <laughs> and right, if they right, can right. go 500 down the stretch, to me, that would be an unqualified success. Me too. Like, and I think don't they need can. I, I still 100% think they can. I don't think Percy, I don't think Santeo, I don't think Ukwu, I don't think Jamari Edwards, I don't think those guys are, you know, these are the, this is their last year. Drew Painter, they're not mailing it in. Chris Thornton, right? These guys aren't quitting. Uh, on this team, I don't believe. Like, I, I just well, I mean, not, five and two. I mean, they still could go nine and two. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I yeah. Um, I, I'm going to be very excited. By the way, the Louisville game announced today, seven thirty on ESPNU. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. That's um, cool. That's very cool. Yeah, and I think we're going to see a much healthier group um, make that trip to Kentucky. So looking forward to that. But yeah, they go two and two down the stretch with like something to play for. I could actually be really excited about that. If we just say like, okay, forget it. We can stop talking about like, oh, should they apply for an exemption for the Sunbelt Championship or or the New Year's Six or blah, blah, blah. Let's, let's take all that off the table. Yeah. Jamie has gotten punched in the mouth two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. And now you can either mope about it and say, oh, this, we never should have gone FBS. This is a disaster. This team's no good. <laughs> this guy stinks. That guy stinks. I'm never going. Or you can go, all right, this is cool. We got four more games. Kind of backs against the wall but not really they still no. only won five games but like right. this is real football can you can you close and this is yep. pretty cool in terms of like you go from having nothing to play for mm-hmm. to maybe having a little bit of chip on your shoulder a little bit of like can we close it out and maybe simulating what it'd be like going down the stretch where you were playing for a bid and or bid for an opportunity to play in the sunbelt championship so i think this is cool and i think mm-hmm. you know you never want to go down losing you know, nope. in a slump. That would be terrible. They lose all four. It'd be yeah. disappointing. It's still first year, blah, 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 mm-hmm. all that stuff. But man, if they could go 500 or better, yeah. 
I'd be pretty excited. I think that would actually say a lot about this this team, this coaching staff, this roster, because they're going to have injuries. That's a fact of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Four very winnable games, but they're all all the teams are playing are capable of beating them too. There's not a gimme on the schedule. That's for certain. No. And for those that are interested during the bye this week, ODU at Georgia State this week. So you can watch two of the remaining three Sunbelt teams and Coastal goes to Marshall. So you can pretty much um, check out all the remaining Sunbelt foes um, this week if you're so inclined. Rob, my last thing is just some off the field stuff. Yeah. I think we've kind of. Was there any of that this weekend? (laughs) There was a little bit. I, I think maybe we're a little more online than most, right? And so. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't really care about the Twitter part of it. Um, I actually had some game off the field in like game day experience things. I, I wanted to talk about a little bit, Rob. Um, the growing By all pain, accounts, there were some issues. Yes. The, there are some growing pains for everyone, right? Yeah. They had an all-time record crowd at Bridgeforth for a game that wasn't – it was an odd mix, right? Because you had – I hung out with quite a few friends. Shout out to Sadra and Kathy and like some old friends of of ours um, that I really had the pleasure of hanging out with. But they didn't come back because of FBS. They came back because it was homecoming and they want to see their friends, you know. And so you had this weird mix of like this, you know, you had a new crew of people who haven't been to a lot of games and they drove up from Newport News because – this is a big FBS homecoming game against Marshall. And now they want to yell at the quarterback. Right. And then you also had this mix of like the same old alumni who typically come back for homecoming, who weren't prepared for like people screaming at players, parents and stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was, a, it's a, we all have a little bit of growing to do. Uh, one of the things was look, and this includes stadium ops, you know, the lines to get in, we went in like 15 minutes early. It's not like we waited till right at the kickoff. And I don't know what changed this week, but they couldn't get everybody in the stadium. So all the people complaining like, oh, the stadium didn't look full. There was a problem at multiple gates from what I've heard. I can tell you at the main gate, it was a disaster compared to my experience at every at the other th- at two of the other three games this year. And any 15 time, minutes is usually plenty of time to be in your seat. That's what I meant. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. yeah. Now look, you could argue that I should have been there earlier and that kind of thing. And of course it's homecoming and I got caught up like everybody else. Right. But it's an issue concessions. This has been a problem since bridge fourth, since new bridge fourth opened. It was particularly glaring this week. I still don't understand why they don't have, um, you know, like a Coke person, like a person who does like sells waters and sodas, like in the little cooler thing, like in the concourse. Instead like of roaming like, vendors or just, you know, like go to no, bars. I don't even need the roaming vendors out in the stands, but just like when you, yes, like you're saying, like with the little tub of. They've got stuff. like the garden tubs. The right. Little garden tubs and I ice. don't care. Look, I mean, I, would I love them to have beer? Sure. But I don't care if they don't do that and they want to make the beer people wait. That's fine. But I don't think like, you know, my wife shouldn't have to wait like 35 minutes and miss a whole quarter to get one soda and a Twizzler. You know, like. Oh, just remember feels- week one. James yeah. kept running. My kid kept running down to check the lines because mm-hmm. we all wanted to go get something. And he yeah. would run down and be like, nope, still too long. And yeah. we did that for a quarter and a half. And then finally we just bit the bullet and you still wait 15 minutes. Like I understand that they are going through. So that, that's like, it's run by volunteers and that's awesome. You know, give the yeah. community a chance to fundraise, but goodness gracious, they got to come up with 
more more lines or like self checkout options. Like you should need to choose between do I want a soda and a hot dog or do I want to see the third quarter? Yeah, that shouldn't that shouldn't be a choice any fan needs to make. No. Um, and I think we can all do better about the yelling at the players, the yelling at the coaches, that kind of stuff. I will say, you know, a lot of us who have been going for a long time, we also don't get to have our cake and eat it too, right? We want bandwagon fans. We want people to get on board. Some of them, when they come, are going to be ignorant fools, yeah. right? Like they're just going to be, they don't know. I guarantee none of them could tell you who Sean Johns is or Trent Hendrick before the game started, Right. Uh, not a damn one of them could tell you who Ronald Altman was and say that he's going to be starting playing that left tackle for the entire second half. There right? are people that wouldn't have known if Santeo or Atkins were the regular starter who were loudly proclaiming online, you know, yes, who was good, who was bad, and who cost anybody the game. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. totally agree. Um, by the way, MVP of the week, Rob Alonza Barnett. His full-throated defense of Atkins was a proud-to-be-a-Duke moment for me. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I saw people I, criticizing that. I, I, mean, I wanted him look. to play. Like I, I, I will say, in the stands, quietly among our group, I you know, may have said, like, eh, would it hurt to <laughs> throw the other kid in there? Right? That wasn't like a shot at anybody. It, you know, it, it, but... Hit two, I mean, that's huge credit to the third string quarterback stepping up, you know. And for don't people know. don't know what Todd's talking about, yeah, Barnett got on was it Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, or and just like went after, after the yeah, game and like, was like, Hey man, this is ridiculous. People mentioning Billy by name and calling him out have no idea what they're doing. We play the hardest position in the hardest sport, and he's like, I know how hard that, like, he works, and yeah, yeah. He, he works his butt off, like, and he's absolutely right. Like, Todd, I'm not yeah. immune from this either. I can get frustrated and I can fire off texts to you and other friends, um, you know, saying things that I would not want said in public about me or my family members mm-hmm. or things that I'd be embarrassed if, you sure. know, we tweeted. And mm-hmm. thankfully we don't. We keep it between us. It's still not right. We still need to all kind of check ourselves. And I'm not saying that players don't deserve to be held accountable by their coaches and teammates and everything. They do. And mm-hmm. people can, there's a way to be critical and, say, hey, you, you need, as a fan, you want people to be better. But the nonsense of just like, you know, two quarters into this guy's college career, firing right. off tweets saying yes. he's done yes. and he's a loser and this is pathetic, he's letting us all down. Get a grip, man. Just, well, and save just, that, I mean, I know I, I said some things Saturday night, but like save that for your little group of friends, right? If you want to text with your friends about it and you mm-hmm. guys are having a discussion the way we all do about like, the Giants game, right? Yeah. Or whatever. Like, that's what that's for. But getting on Twitter or the message boards in a kind of, you know, semi-public forum and that that doesn't help anybody, you know? And and certainly yelling from the stands over top of the heads of all the high-end recruits that are sitting there, that doesn't help anybody. It certainly doesn't help yeah. the program, right? I, I don't know. That, that kind of stuff. We got a lot of learning to do. Um, well, yeah, it's just, it's just immaturity. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, we are by no means experts on. Family. I was like, and I can be as immature as the next guy. I just what's I'm saying. Like, hope I don't. Experts in saying dumb things that we regret. Right. Yes. You yeah. know, like we've said a lot of dumb things online, in person, at games. Yep. And I'm telling you, it it's not worth it. It'll eat at you. But it, I don't want to over dramatize. 
I can't even say the word. Dramatize. Dramatize this. But it's just, it's cringy how elements of our fan base are online, both with the way they're like so over the top critical of individuals, um, including coaches. Like you can be critical. Like you and I just spent 15 minutes talking about like, hey, we didn't think that was great. Coaches could have made some adjustments. We don't know. We're trying to state our opinion. We're not saying fire anybody. They're idiots. No. We say right up front. We love this coaching staff. We're disappointed because, in from our ignorant perspective, they clearly appear to be capable of scheming things up to you know maximize our chances. And it didn't feel like they did that. Okay, we're not saying get rid of them or they disappointed us or they they don't deserve to be in purple and gold. No, it's just like hey, it didn't happen. They're coaches. They're and they got a longer view of this. They have yes. a longer view of this too, which is, okay, we're playing the best team on defense we're going to play all year. We got to play our redshirt freshman. We're not sure about him because we got this other freshman behind him who's pretty pretty good. And there's always the portal, right? Yeah. And there's a part of them, I'm sure, that's like, you know what? Let's watch everybody play their way out of this yeah. a little bit. Or let's see what we got, right? We're, we're never going to have a better – You can't. And this is the year to do this it. This is not a spring game. Right, playing Marshall, you 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 can learn more about your kids this week. Than, right, you put a, a kid like Trent Hendrickens up in there, and you're like, "Wow, we might have something here." You know, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. This is the year to do it. They're not playing for anything. You know, we don't want to think that as fans. And I know they're not trying to lose. They're not, th- you know, throwing anything. I just think there's a longer view to some of this too. Well, yeah, like I was as frustrated as anybody after the game, and I always try to see silver linings. I always try to think back and be like, what was the one or two plays that makes me see potential for player A or player B? I was struggling to do that. But you don't know. Maybe the coaches just want to see like, hey, we know this guy's good. We know he can rally, and we want to see him really take his lumps, and Mm -hmm. we know the team has his back, and he'll be better in the long run really trying to play through this even if he's struggling in the end. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe this could end up being – I don't know Billy Atkins. No. Um, I'd like to think he's a good guy. The, the way that Barnett um, yes. spoke like, of him mm-hmm. makes me think he's certainly got the respect of the players. And that's a guy who's, bold, who's you know, competing yeah. with him for next year's roster, speaking up for the guy. Makes me think he's a great teammate. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe this is just one of those, like, trial by fire where they're like – we're not going to take you out. You see it in baseball sometimes. Yep. You know, managers leave pitchers in there just to just mm-hmm. to wear one. It's not mm-hmm. their day. And like we could pull them or save their feelings, or we're just going to put them through it because we know they're tough enough and we know that it'll make them better in the end. And guess what? Atkins has only played in one game this year. Yes. He played in. He played in the. I mean, excuse me, not just Atkins. Atkins played, I guess, twice. But I was trying to say, um, Barnett has only played in the right. Norfolk State game. Yeah. So he's a true freshman. Right. Oh, I don't and, think you throw him out there. Yeah. No, and to me, it's like, well, if you do, if they lose two more games, then you can play him all you want. There is ample time to see the true freshman, if need be, while not costing him his red shirt. Right? I, I don't know. There's bigger. That's where I'm saying the longer view of these things. Like, is I don't know. I just I don't think I know. I'm not the expert, and I at this point have no reason to, you know. I don't know. I just I think the coaches are not they're, they're doing the best they can uh, with well, the limited need roster to calm have. down and trust them. Like again, yeah. I will be critical of them and I will point things out, but mm-hmm. I also will be the first to admit that they know better than me. I trust mm-hmm. them to run the program, make these decisions, and mm-hmm. doing it both in the short term and long term. That's a tough thing about being a coach. You got to balance that. 
Yep. They've earned the benefit of the doubt. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, two game losing streak. It stinks. It's the first one we've experienced under this staff, mm-hmm. or heck, any staff I can recall mm-hmm. uh, in a long, long time. But yep. I don't know. Think the, the wheels are not coming off. These reactions that we were seeing online, like I wasn't able to make the game. You know, my son had two yep. baseball games, so I had to stay home and all that. So I was watching the game and uh, perusing Twitter, and yeah. it was ugly. It was really yeah. ugly. People were just being like, the wheels are coming off. This is the same thing in a row. Two weeks in a row, same problems. I don't know, man. People totally different problems football. These games were totally different. Yes. Totally Last week we had 700 yards of offense. This week we had like yes. less than 200. There's a lot of reasons for that, but those are different games. <laughs> like, yes. yes. And people claiming like, oh, this is JMU now is developing a pattern of, you know, getting out to big leads and then blowing them. And, okay. They didn't get to a big lead this week. They, they, they didn't get a big lead. They no. went up because Marshall muffed some kicks and some bad plays. And, and we've Jamie talked put about together the, the plays that are on the script in yes. the first quarter, right? And and a guy like your backup quarterback is going to know the plays on the script. Yes. He's rehearsing right? them. He's thinking about them the night before. The offense knows what they're doing. Everybody's very comfortable. Yep. You know, the, the scoring, quote unquote, drive was 17 yards. It was one <laughs> pass on a busted coverage. They got like people acting like, you know, the offense just came out and was having its way to get out to this massive 12 point lead. And then there were adjustments made and, Oh, that just shows our coaches can't handle it. They're not really understanding what was going on with the game. You know, no. Jamie caught some breaks and they were, they grinded out to, to a little bit of lead. They helped hold on yeah. last week, Georgia Southern's offense got in click, got clicking and started adjusting because Jamie's pass rush wasn't in there. But the offense was never stopped. As we talked about last week, the whole notion yeah. that, you know, the hive mind of Jamie Twitter, ourselves included, that yep. the problem was Jamie abandoned the run. When you go back and look at it, rewatch and look at Seth, that didn't happen. You know, no. the offense was fine last week. So these were two losses in a row. That's your common thread. That's pretty much it. They were two yep. totally, completely set of circumstances, two mm-hmm. totally, completely different set of causes. So I, yeah. I get being frustrated. I don't like losing, but I don't think it's like, oh my gosh, here we go again. They keep doing this just like last week. It was well, nothing like last week. No, no, it wasn't. Um, no, no, not at all. Uh, my last thing off the field, Rob, and mm-hmm. maybe these two things are related. I don't think you and I have a longstanding policy of not complaining about students. We're going to let others do that. A lot of people did. It's homecoming. A lot of people still are. A lot of people still are. Um, I I saw Tim Miller. He actually posted something today. He he would, you know, look, can students do better? Sure. Is it homecoming? And do people get drunk in the afternoon and then want to go out that night? And the game's pretty boring and not a lot's going on. Yes. As you and I talked tonight, that game was also forever. The first half was like two hours and 10 minutes Mm -hmm. with all the reviews and the injuries and the crappy like the turnovers there were 11 punts or something like yeah i was saying in those two and a half hours you saw like four first downs it was long um but we'll generally stay off the students i will say rob and this is somewhat related the other place that jmu's got some growing pains is the you know the op side of this right the music the entertainment that kind of thing and there's been a lot of like gnashing of teeth and I don't mean to be another one, like complaining there's a lot of really sharp, awesome people. Some of whom we like really truly love like as, as JMU people um, who work really hard on this stuff, but there is a difference in FBS and 
you and I go to pro games, we go to other games. You know, sometimes I go to the Wizards game and I'm annoyed by like they're playing music like while the ball is being brought Constantly, up the court sometimes, yeah. right? It's like overwhelming. Um, but there's also a lot of like, and this is the whole thing, they're trying to cram everything in for homecoming that's like celebrating this team or doing this little local sponsor or having this little fancy little, you know, funny, old, cute entertainment product. But man, it starts to feel like Woodstock Central, you know, at, yeah. at times. And when you get these two hour and 10 minute halves with all the television and the replay and everything else now, you got to keep the crowd into it. And there just seemed to be some real lulls in the stadium. Um, and, and one thing, and I don't mean to this to be an old man rant because there's a lot of old men like me <laughs> who have been screaming for, you know, they want more ACDC. We need less ACDC. <laughs> like <laughs> I, like we're all old. We're not cool. And we're not, we're going to be less cool as we keep moving forward. Like the traditions need to come from, the students themselves a little bit. It needs to be right? kind of organic. Yeah. It needs you to be kind of organic. And, and, and I'm sorry. I know there's some, you know, there's an element of our fan base who, who never wants more hip hop, but maybe we like, I don't know. There's a part of me that's like with students. I'm like, let them have a little control over this. Right. I, I don't know. Let them have a little bit of a voice in this too. It's not it's the end of the world. If you and I walk out of there going, man, I've never heard of that music that made the student section jump up and down. <laughs> right. And I'm watching some of these, I mean, I watch the Padres, the Phillies, their, their choices are funny things to me. Cause they're like these weird sing-alongs now are like songs from the two thousands. Yeah. Right. That I'm like, I don't really care for that, but if that's what's getting people excited, like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't think the answer is like, we need more classic rock. Like, like no. that's not going to solve it either. So I'm not the one with the answer here. I, just, I will say this. Like I, I generally, I think Jamie really had developed a, a pretty cool cadence and a pretty cool rhythm to the way they handled the in-stadium experience for the uh, FCS games. You know, where you they got, really had, they really had, but I they think had a down some of that is a little bit, it's just now the same. It's, it's that, twice it's, as long. It feels a little FCS, is what yeah. it felt like to me on on Saturday. Like I, I, I'm um, sure people feel differently, but like I thought the little thirty second snippets where they would have, you know, popular songs where the student athletes from kind of non revenue yeah. sports on the jumbo channel would need to finish them. Like I thought that was funny. The trivia. I those think are things that still do. Yeah, I, that's, I mean, those work for fifteen twenty seconds when you got to carry it you know, two, three, four minute commercial break, it becomes a lot tougher to keep everybody's attention. So I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough thing because everybody's got their ways of doing it. I think a lot of it is just. Well, and we go through of, those stretches, like the second half of the second quarter gets really rough when you start bringing the MRDs down onto the field to prep, to go out. Yeah. So now they're not carrying the, enthusiasm like they're really the you know they've always been they're kind of the leaders of that of keeping things going i think mm -hmm. a little bit but when you take them out for that last five or six and what now drags out to be like a 30 minutes of real time you know period before halftime that really that's where you start to get into this like I, I you know i don't i'm not saying i have the answers i just i think there's i think that's something that needs some exploration um and and i mean for this to be a constructive bit of criticism, not, well, the folks not just a it, screaming and yelling thing. You yeah. know? Well, I think um, the constructive ways, the folks that did it leading up to this year and continue to this year did not stand a job. I thought they really had it dialed in, you know, that right. 
the whole the pregame intros and i used to love those duke dog videos of him taking on the other mascot and then like i mentioned the you know the silly videos with you know, soccer yeah, players and volleyball players. That's good. Like, don't that's throw baby great. out with the bathwater. I just, <laughs> I think those know. people need help. I just think it's and they got job. a little like, cute this week with the the take me home country roads thing, trying to sort of. So we have people in the stands yelling that this was like a pro Marshall thing, when actually I think they were trying to be cute, and it was a pro it's WVU a song about the western right? part of Virginia. Not well, Virginia. and it was also like that. So there was that, and it was also like that's the, actually the song of Marshall's in-state rival, right? Mm-hmm. It would be like someone playing a UVA song for us if we were on the yeah. road. Right. I mean, there was a little more thought, but it got a little too cute. I, I, that part was, you know, whatever. And, and, and look, I also can recognize that if JMU comes back and wins the game, I probably don't mention any of this this no, week. And I'm happy to. Um, but I think they're just, that's, that's an area. And I'm sure I, I, I just, I know those people want it. To, like, I, I have a feeling that there are other people having this conversation too. Um, I just hope that it's not, let's just listen to the, uh, I don't know, the oldest, wealthiest donors who have the ear the of people the, who have the, right the people. people who can make the appointments with the people that can make the changes. Right, right. Like, it's not like, let's not the people do that either. No, like, I, I'd like to see something more constructive there. And certainly, you know, with the students too, I, it's not like, oh, if the Wi-Fi all works, they're all going to stay. But when you get 27,000 people in there, it's pretty rough. Right. Yeah. I mean, because when the concessions don't work, the Wi-Fi doesn't work, the like the game is kind of boring and it takes forever because of the new television production setup. Like all of those things combined are gonna hurt students on a homecoming Saturday. Right. I, I you know, so I'm not making excuses for them either, but I just I all of that, every little part of that can be looked at and, and improved upon. So but I think that's it's all. good. Yeah. Well, no, I get what you're saying. And the point is to focus on improvement, not just mm-hmm. be critical for the sake of being critical. And I I find it, I'll just lay it out there. Yeah. I find it really cringy when people our age go on rants online about how terrible the students are. Oh, I yeah. just, I, I, it's cringy. And it's also like, uh, maybe somebody can find an example of a business that has been built up to success based on a strategy of yelling at its customers, but I can't think of one offhand. Right. So yep. like, yep. you know, we, we want these students to come like, to me, the takeaway from the weekend is, yeah, the game was disappointing, but largest crowd in JNU history. Everybody's like, oh, but everybody laughed. And I'm like, yeah, that stinks. And yeah. I'm not going to be like, oh, what are you going to do? Who cares? I don't care. You know, fans do. I care. I want the stadium packed, mm-hmm. but I don't care to the point where I'm going to let it ruin my experience or yep. where I'm going to take my energy and start saying, screw this person or that group or this section and that section. They got to act like me. Like, there's 25,000 people coming to these games. It was plenty loud when JMU was on defense in the second half. If we could have done anything at all on offense, it would have been fine coming home. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, like, just this idea that, like, I, I've always kind of shuddered or shivered at, the, at this notion that, like, what is a good fan? Are you a real fan? Are you, Quit judging everybody. Yes. People can come to games for all sorts of reasons. And you hear people like, we're on the more passionate side. I want to go because I want to watch the game. I want to do mm-hmm. like That means like on third down, I'll get up and I'll scream and yell. But you know what? There's other times, Todd, where you and I want to sit down and we really want to pay attention. And yes. I don't want to be screaming and yelling. Now, oh, it was funny. I, don't, I talked. Yeah. 
I, like, I'm not going to get mad if there's other people who like, you know, I want to go there and be, you know, the David Putty on Seinfeld, go to sports team, take my face <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. you know, wave pom poms. And I want to stomp. Great. Have at it. You know, at times it might annoy me if I'm sitting behind you, but I'm also like, that's their right. That's their experience. Who am I to say like, mm-hmm. no, they need to only stand when I want to stand at the same token. Like I don't need people from other sections yelling at me because I'm not cheering, you know, loud enough or like, Give it a rest. There's, and also, like, you know what? I'm not going to sit there and scream and yell. I'm like, oh, all those those losers in the club section that are just socializing and catching up when they should be yelling at third down. Well, yeah, but they also paid a heck of a lot of money to support this program, and they got a right to do it in their, you know, fashion. I think every fan in there would probably like every other fan to have the same attitude and approach to fandom. They would. That's unrealistic. You know, like, the, right. the reality is we've got a lot of students. like. The big takeaway, again, is 8,000 student tickets were sold in near record time. Yeah, yes. a lot of them left early, but again, right. they're excited 000, about the it, product. Right, they wanted to come and be a part of it. ticket, yep. screaming and yelling at students who, by the way, are not we're paying building attention this, to by any the way. of us. We're building They're not paying this. attention to any of us. Like all these people that like are no. on JMU Twitter. No, they don't care. They're, they're not watching. They're, they're not watching. Mm-mm. They're on TikTok. They're doing fun things. They're not paying attention to a bunch of middle-aged men and women screaming and yelling about what they should or shouldn't do. No. And if they are, they are laughing and you know making memes about us. Like give it up. Know. Like they're gonna go and like, okay, like a lot of these people, <laughs> Todd, you mentioned this is this is JMU. We love it. This is not decades of tradition where people grew We're up learning. going to these We're games learning. and watching them on TV. They're learning. There are a lot of people who were in the stand Saturday and were probably very excited, who couldn't name a player or had never seen a JMU game. Didn't even know what the mascot was, maybe until they were even applying or accepting. Like, okay, so yeah, they left. Do we scream and yell at them and say, no, you know, you either come and you paint your face and you wear a jersey and you scream or you don't come at all? Or do we go, hey, that stinks, but, you know, it'd be cool if you stayed longer next time. Just encourage them or just cheer. Yeah. If if yep. if five percent more come back, you're winning. You know, of these yes. eight thousand students in the student section who bothered to get a ticket, right? You know what? If maybe more of them stay next week and the week after, and then and then five years from now they get season tickets and the young Duke club or whatever yep. it's called, and you know, that's the future of the fan base. They're not all going to do it. The reality is, a lot of these students are going to go to the games because they're events, and that's that. Yep. And they're going to leave when the party starts or when they get bored and. I use an example, like I've got two sons. Yep. Um, one, my younger son, James, sports fanatic, lives and breathes at Sam, enjoys sports, but he's not a fanatic. He's in high school. He and his friends go to all the high school football games. Mm-hmm. They, they get tickets every week. They get excited. They go. I mean, Sam likes football. He's in two fantasy football leagues. He will get together on occasion with friends to watch the NFL, but he's not, it's yeah. not all consuming for him. He's, in many ways, it's a much healthier attitude. Than, than certainly I have. So he goes to these games and he looks forward to it and it's fun and it's an event. It's an event to him. Yeah. So he goes and he, you know, he sometimes he will stay the entire time. Um, close game, blowout. Other other times he's like, yeah, it got kind of boring. We split and went and got ice cream or got pizza. Like, okay, so should he not go to the games? That's ridiculous. Of course he should, but we just need to accept like not everybody is there for the same reason. Mm-hmm. us people that are diehards and want, you know, the yeah. 12th man concept, we would love it if it was all people like us. But the reality is 
Jamie does not have that many fans right now that can pack a stadium week in and week out and be there for all four quarters. So you need to kind of welcome the bandwagon and we need to grit our teeth and encourage them and be positive and give them reasons to come back not yell at them and say you're doing it wrong. That's No, not it's funny, happen. right? I, you know? I driving home um yesterday, Sunday, I you know in the old days we used to say parents we've always said family weekend crowds were were weak. Yeah. And and they are, right? They sell a lot of tickets for family weekend, but you have a lot of actual families who have no real connection to the football program, right? Um I it had never occurred to me always until this year homecoming was one of the weeks I looked forward to because we were going to have a big crowd for homecoming. And all those people were connected to JMU. Like they were rooting. They were rooting for JMU. This weekend was the first time that I was like, man, homecoming is going to be a lot like uh, a lot like family weekend in the sense, like in a different way, but you have a lot of people who are rooting for JMU, but they still don't, they're not hardcore football fans, right? They haven't. No, they treat it like a tryout for their fandom. (laughs) <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yes. And um, so it's just funny. I, I don't know. It, it's, we've got, we've all got learning to do going forward. But, but Todd, let's, so. let's use that analogy for them and then we'll drop it mm-hmm. after this. But like, you and I have brought many, many people back over the years. Mm-hmm. We've always just been like, come on, it's fun. It's good time. We do not criticize it. Many times we brought people back and you and I have been the only ones that are still there in the second half because yep. everybody else is like, I want to go to the bar with We've never shamed them. Never said, no. you know what? And now some of those people yeah. come to games every year. Some of those people text us during games. Like, and that's mm-hmm. not holding us up as like, we know the right way to do it. But like, if we had just yelled at them, being like, no, you can't leave, you losers, you're not real fans, right. they never would have paid attention. No. And now these are people, some of them are casual fans, some of them go back every year, some of them are season ticket holders. Yeah. So like, just. Let it be. Like I was actually really glad this week I got a text from a friend of ours who was like, man, what happened to Santeo? Like, I didn't know. Yeah. And I didn't know either. But it was Mm -hmm. like, this was someone who like, they're not hardcore about it. But they were, and they were, but they were taking it. um, They kind of understood why the team didn't perform as well this week. Right. And they weren't like flipping out. They were just like, man, that really sucked. You know, (laughs) like, but they were clearly paying attention to a deeper level than in the past. Yeah. And, and just, I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, people are, it, it's college football, the pageantry and blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. People are going to come to the games for different reasons. Yep. Try to make it a positive experience. And, you know, maybe the best case scenario in some weird way is that all these people that just treat it like an event yep. can't get tickets five years from now. That's, that's right. not going to be the case if we're just screaming and yelling and telling people or trying to like enact policies where if students come, they can't leave. And if they do leave before half, they can't get tickets the next week. Oh my gosh. You might as well just light a fire to the football program. (laughs) Well, homecoming's over. We get a bye. Then we go to Louisville on ESPNU at seven 30. Rob, we should cover We should talk very briefly. Uh, Field hockey won two out of three on their crazy. uh, What a great yeah, road trip. road trip. Yeah, lost 3-2 in overtime to Stanford, which was a bummer in game one, but to their huge credit, came back and beat UC Davis 4-1 and Cal 2-1 over the weekend. They wrap up this coming Sunday at Rutgers at 1 p.m. They are 10-6 overall, and they need a win on Sunday, I think. Um, but not done yet. Uh, volleyball. 
Two huge wins Thursday and Friday over Coastal Carolina, taking very solid control of first place in the Sunbelt East. They play the Sunbelt East second new second place team, Georgia Southern, uh, in Statesboro this Friday and Saturday. They, I'm just trying to think, um, they are 15-4 and four overall. Sunbelt Conference Tournament doesn't start for volleyball till 11, uh, November 16th. So they've got like three more weeks. You know, they're safely going to be in the tournament. It's just, you know, fun to watch them. A lot of these games are on ESPN Plus. So you can catch all of these. Women's soccer. This is the one that I wanted to bring up in particular because the Sunbelt Tournament starts on Halloween. So next Monday, I don't know. It's possible they will have a bye until the 2nd of November, which I guess is Wednesday of next week. They have one more game this week versus Troy on Thursday at home for senior night. That is on ESPN plus at seven o'clock women's soccer in first place, or at least in a tie for first place. I think they're five, one and three in the Sunbelt nine, three and five overall. Uh, They finally had their little unbeaten streak snapped this past weekend, but doing great. And, Rooting for them. And men's soccer, I got a couple of good draws this week, Rob. Uh, 1-1 with West Virginia and 1-1 at South Carolina. So for everybody who's not paying attention, Sunbelt men's soccer um, has some big name SEC programs in it. Uh, Just because they don't have SEC men's soccer. SEC doesn't have soccer. No, so, and they're... Do for women. Yeah, they do. Um, They have men's team hosts... Coastal this Friday at 7 on ESPN Plus, and then they go to Marshall next Tuesday. Their tournament starts the following weekend, uh, the 6th of November. So really fun stuff. It's it's kind of impressive like how well JMU's programs have gotten, you know, the starts they've gotten off to in the Sun Belt is pretty strong. So kind of exciting to watch those. And, and this week on the bye, I mean, you get women's soccer Thursday on ESPN Plus, Friday on ESPN Plus for men's soccer. Uh, Friday and Saturday for volleyball. So just generally good good stuff all the way around. Uh, big thanks to our friends at Mossy Creek. As always, we're brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the shop anytime and get a free sticker uh, if you're mentioning the JMU Sports Blog podcast. You can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, always happy for that. We haven't brought that up in a long time, so that's great. Yeah, please do that, and please share it. Yeah, and share, share it with anybody. Friends, so if you, if, if you uh, Sorry. If you I'm care, oh, sure. my watch is, thinks I said something funny there, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rob, that's it from me. I don't know. You you might have had one more topic here. I don't know. Yeah, well, can we go, like, we don't need to go full Swifty here, but what, what's your 30-second review or favorite track from, from Midnight's? Um, I have not had a chance to fully digest. I have listened through um, a number of times. My review is that this is a very good album. It is not particularly new. Um, I don't mean that bad. I just it's very her. It's very Taylor and Jack Antonoff. Like yeah, it's actually funny that she's been working so much with Aaron Desner for the last few years because it there was a you, you know you and I both I think have um, have always had affection for the National. Um, yes, there did come a point where you're like four or five albums in and you're like, these are the same albums. <laughs> Yes. Right. Like, like they're very, and I love this sound and I will go watch them and I will be excited by them because they're all high quality, but it is generally not, you know, divergent from the past stuff. Have that you ever a, seen them live? By the way? I have. Yeah. And yeah, super fun. Oh, uh, we saw them at Newport Folk. They closed 
the Friday, they were the Friday headliners this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was weird. Like even my kids who had heard them before weren't that familiar, but like, it was like they didn't realize they were the closing set until halfway through. And then they're like, oh crap, you know, there's a curfew. And then they kicked it up and it, like, it was good. Mm-hmm. The first couple of songs, it was like very mellow and go. And then it was just like, they, it was like they looked on the clock. We're like, holy crap, we got to squeeze a lot in and get this crowd going for the next yes. 45 minutes. And they just amped it up. And then, you know, the last song was awesome. Like the, for the closing, yeah. they were out in the crowd and like literally walking through the entire field. But it was, it was weird. Like it was very much like, hey, I feel like I'm listen, listening to a national album yeah. until the end. And then it was like mind blowing. But so for Taylor's credit, my point on this is I have a few thoughts here. One is the bonus tracks are better than traditional Taylor bonus tracks. The um, 3 a.m.? Yes. Usually yes. her bonus tracks are should have been left where they wherever they didn't make the main album. This time they're pretty good. I really like Maroon, and I really like the stretch that is Question, Vigilante Shit, and Bejeweled, that little stretch in the middle. Um, I yeah. will say I was disappointed with the Lana Del Rey track. Like it's not bad. I just if you're gonna have I Lana like the Del 3 a.m. version better for that. Actually. Yeah, like I wanted the whole thing. And then there's a few on there. I guess that's really I haven't totally like sort of gotten through the back half of the album too much after Bejeweled, but that little middle stretch I like a lot. Um, and I do like Maroon. And I don't know. I guess Antihero. Normally Taylor, you know the the lead single is a disaster for her traditionally. Um, this one's pretty representative of the album. Like I have no, it's not my favorite song, but I have no. Oh, complaints it's, about it's it. dope. That's one's gonna. That one's gonna. Oh, you like that one? That, that one's gonna yeah, grow on you. I do. I, I, I do I too. Of, first of all, it's funny to me that you said, "Oh, you know, I haven't really dug in. I've only listened." Yeah, and then I went through times. the whole thing. Right? <laughs> I, I just I realized, like, like, I really don't like Labyrinth, and I'm like, I haven't really listened to Karma, Sweet Nothing, Mastermind. I'm not like that sure yet. So I was like, ah, but yeah, sorry, <laughs> but I'm like way deeper in it than most people, I guess. Yeah. Well, I I woke up early before my family mm-hmm. got up on Friday, so I could listen to it. Have my call. I didn't stay up till midnight, but um, you got. It. Yeah, I'm with you on question. I think question is great. I like the vigilante shit. Bejeweled is my low key. Like, I think that one. Yes, I think that one might be really good. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I'm kind of with you on the Lana Del Rey aspect. Yeah, but I just love the the snow on the beach lyrics for some reason. I just me too. Well, that's the thing. I could like put it on, and I'm not going to change the song necessarily. But um, it was interesting because the first song I like okay, then the second one is Maroon, and I really like that one. Maybe I'll get tired of that one, but anyways. Um, I like You're On Your Own Kid, too. And that I do, too. The, song, yeah. the whole Taylor mystique. Yeah. No, I think Antihero is, I think Antihero is great. That'll be the, the big one for it. But I, I really think like Antihero is good for her to, like, yes. say this thing and, and have a little bit of, like, you know, self-effacement <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. That yeah, the just the word. vulnerability aspect of it. Yes, cool. yes. Um, question is another, like, low-key yeah, that I think it's good. I, I really like the more like, you know, cabin and, you know, cardigan sweater type thing of, yes, of the last too. couple albums. The, That's the part of my core. wheelhouse. Yes. But yes. I'm a big Jack Antonoff fan. And I think in terms of the pure pop album, mm-hmm. this is really good. I, I did read, I think the ringer had some, okay. some podcast and some comments like, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. This is the swan song of the Jack Antonoff Taylor Swift collaboration. You know, they, they've kind of, they've peaked out and they've done so many amazing things. 
mm-hmm. but it really would be cool going back to your point to see her do things with new collaborators and whether that's you know the guys from the national and justin Werner or somebody else but i don't know i thought it was good i don't think yeah. it's like the greatest album ever but it was a really good listen i love um, i mean most people who are still paying attention at this point in our show i who are, have well, also like listened to year old girls who's the ringers every single album podcast which mm-hmm. is incredible and i have intentionally not listened to nora and nathan um mm-hmm. because i didn't want to like i wanted to listen to the album a few times myself before I started listening to that. Um, but I assume that's where they're going with this, that this is probably the end of this stage of her career. I don't know. Maybe she's just old enough now that she's just going to settle in like the national and be but this also, version of Taylor, which is fine for me. Right. Yeah. She's 10, 10 albums. albums. Right. 10 albums. I guess like people are yeah. going to yeah. laugh. She's already been in the pantheon of songwriters, but she's going to be like, honestly, like, People are going to make fun of me for saying this, but like, this goes oh, yeah, for another she'll album too. She'll be the greatest American songwriter ever. She's up there with like McCartney and Lennon right now in yeah. terms of creativity. Ten albums deep. Like, I love the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones didn't have ten straight albums like this, you know. Um, no, and she what? had three. What she did? She did three albums that were essentially like childish country albums, which is not a shot. Which just which were accurate, so enjoyable, right? still <laughs> enjoyable, right? But I'm just saying. Like that was the end of that phase. And then she had that big shift, um, you know, to pure pop for like three, essentially three albums. And then somewhere like halfway through Lover shifted to this, like, I'm going to be an indie person yeah, um, and do the things I'm listening to. And COVID kind of messed it up, right? I This was ultimately probably like the second album in that group, but COVID came in and then she got to make two weird indie folk. I don't know what, what, you know, like they got to make those two in the middle of it. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. I think this is probably the end of this Jack Antonov, you know, Aaron Desner, Bonnie Vare section of her career yeah. probably. And it'll be interesting to see what she does next. I don't know. Um, but you're right. 10 albums in and there hasn't been a, hasn't been a, I mean, like I don't really care a lot about the first two. But there hasn't been any huge misses, you know. No, so, there hasn't been know. like, oh, forget about it. Right. Um, two other albums. Have you listened to Tyler Childers? I have. Can I take my hounds to heaven? So I'm. I'm. How do we feel about this? So I've only heard the the, the Jubilee version, I guess. Yeah. So, are you liking it, Rob? Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's it's for people who don't know. He recorded uh, what is it? Eight songs, three different versions. So it's basically like a triple album of. Mm-hmm. The Hallelujah version, mm-hmm. Jubilee version, and then the Joyful version, the yeah. Joyful Noise. The Joyful Noise is the one that's really throwing people for a loop. Tyler right. Childers is country, just country, country, like old right. school Willie Nelson style country, not bro country. Right. This Joyful Noise is almost like EDM. You know, it's like I love it. Like I, I love the Hallelujah version, the first, Good. which is very kind of gospel music based i guess mm-hmm. it's a lot of about the whole album it's a lot of his dealing with his yes. religion and his being raised in the church and everything yeah um i think that's great i think the jubilee version which is kind of equally good and then i kind of love the weird just the weirdness of the yeah. joyful noise i wouldn't really honestly i probably wouldn't buy that if it was a standalone album mm-hmm. but just in terms of the contrast i love it from the standpoint of him taking an artistic risk and okay. i think it kind of works it's it's neat just kind of put on the background but 
the the first version of the album I absolutely love. Good. Oh, and I'm then glad. the last one. Have you heard Have you heard the Planes album? I have. You got me onto that, and I'm I'm so yeah. excited. I actually had started listening to that last week, and then the Taylor album came out on Friday, and I got mm-hmm. sidetracked. But yes, I really I knew you were gonna this this one. I I have a feeling I'm going to be with this one for a while. Yeah. Yeah, that one's great. Yeah. Um, I really recommend that. And I think this might be like a one-time thing. This is the collaboration between Katie Gotchfield, Waxahachie, yep. and uh, Jess Williamson. Mm-hmm. And man, it's good. They just, their voices really complement each other. And it, again, it's just kind of like old school classic country. If you're a fan of whatever, Patsy Cline and Loretta Lynn, or mm-hmm. it's, it's really fun to listen to. So I think, and they're for people in DC, they are going to be in DC at, I think at the Howard theater first or second week in november oh, cool. i might go check that out i yeah. think it's planes opening and then waxahachie closing so that'd be a good oh, show very fun yeah nice um, all right well that's all that's all music talk on oh and then the other one yeah we left the new lcd sound system uh single I, drop so i've heard a couple of these yes and i'm hopeful i i heard that the single and i was like oh are they going to make an album i'm going to like again so yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. So that's one I'm optimistic for as well. Yes. All right. Well, this was fun. That was good fun. Bring us out on a happy note there, Rob. That's exactly. Good. Everybody yeah. loves music. Yes. Um, all right, Rob. Well, I will talk to you next week. Uh, we'll probably have some fun. I don't know. Maybe we'll do Halloween stuff or something. But uh, Yeah, we'll come up with something. Maybe we'll find a guest come on and talk yeah. basketball preview or something. Maybe a big field oh, hockey yeah. win we can talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just – I'm. Yeah, I guess we'll have like selection show or something coming up pretty soon. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, Jamie, it's gonna be no, busy we don't time. have a conference tournament, so there's probably a couple weeks before the actual selection. Um, probably getting ahead of myself there, but busy time and and hoops. Yeah, I mean we'll be into hoops preview next week, so that'll be really mm-hmm. fun, Rob. All right, talk to you next week. All right, have a good week, everybody. Go Dukes. Faces